teachers, I'm Carly Walton and this is the Teach Music Online Podcast, a show where you'll find tips and strategies for growing your music studio, whether that's an in-person studio, an online music studio, whatever it is, I'm here to help you have success. Welcome, happy Monday or happy whatever day of the week it is that you're listening. (laughs) We talk on this podcast a lot about teaching tools. There are tons of awesome tools for music studio owners to use to manage their business. And it can be a daunting task trying to decide where to start or which tools to use in your business. To help, I thought it would be so fun to get together with another teacher and chat about some tech tools that can make a difference for your studio. My biggest suggestion to you today is to be open to learning new skills and trying new things in the tech world. You do not have to try everything out, but there might be a tool that can help you save time or help you become a more effective teacher. I tell my members this all the time, that the goal in providing new information or education is not ever to overwhelm, only to educate and to fill your toolbox with ideas so that when you come to a challenge or you need to solve a problem, you know what to do. I would love to share a review today from one of our TMO members, Lynn, who said, TMO is life-changing. I can't believe I was hesitant to spend the monthly payment. My biggest thorn in my flesh was always the tech hurdles. TMO held my hand while I easily created Google Forms, chose the perfect equipment without wasting money, learned about wonderful apps, and many other things that had previously been holding me back from online growth. As good as the course is, the group is at least equal in value. The members are talented, kind, helpful, and smart. Everyone is very willing to share their knowledge and experiences with the rest of us. It feels like a place I can be myself and ask questions or give feedback with all with all being respectful to one another. Thank you for your review, Lynn. Our guest today is Amy Chaplin. She runs the podcast, The Piano Pantry. Maybe you're familiar with her awesome podcast. On her show, she discusses everything from running a studio to getting food on the table as a music teacher. She loves talking about life as a studio owner. I love her insight, expertise, and ability to relate to teachers. Here is my discussion with Amy about tech. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me for the Teach Music Online podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me. We have kind of emailed back and forth about some digital tools for managing a business or managing a studio. And I think this will be really fun to go through our list and it'll be really helpful for teachers to hear your perspective on these tools. Before we get any further though, can you tell us a little bit about Piano Pantry, why you started it and a little bit about your podcast as well? For sure, yeah. I started teaching piano lessons actually back in 2011, full-time. I used to teach in the early 2000s. So I've been really teaching for about 20 years but I've been teaching full-time since 2011. And I don't know, about five years in, I was, I felt like I had been building my business and enjoying that. And I was just kind of ready for something new. And I had all these ideas for teachers and was just ready to share them to get them out of my brain. And so I started the Piano Pantry blog in 2016. And, you know, just a typical blog. I eventually opened a shop a few years later and have some things that I sell there. And, I don't know, maybe in 2018, I really had the strong desire to also start a podcast, but life just didn't quite let that happen at that time. 
So it wasn't until last year, 2021, that I started the Piano Pantry podcast. And what the podcast is all about is supporting teachers in just life. So all things that it takes for being an independent music teacher, whether, whether it's just studio business related things. I like to talk about food. So sometimes I talk about getting dinner on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I love organizational strategies. So just kind of a, a wide ranging thing about um, living teacher life. And we're 56 episodes in right now. And it's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's been a lot of fun connecting with teachers in that new medium. Yes. Oh, I love that you also combine just like aspects of life because I think as I've gotten to know teachers better these last few years, there are so many similarities between in our group of people and also this need to have a, have a balance in their lives of like being able to work as a musician and being able to give of give their talents. Maybe it's through their church or their community. And then also take students. Like there's just so many wonderful topics that you can bring together. And when you have your own business, you have to figure out how that fits into life because it can quickly overtake it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing a teacher talk back in episode 13 of my podcast with some of my like real life piano teacher friends And that was a topic that came up that a lot of times we say it's about balance, but really it's about just blending. Like, how do we make our work a part of our life in a way that's healthy? So I like, oh, I love that word, that, that blend word. Yes, That's a good word. You know, someone asked me on an episode the other day, like, how do you balance it all? And I just tell them that there's not really any such thing as balance. Like if you were to write it all out and how much time you spent, like, it's not actually balanced. (laughs) Yep. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this morning we were cleaning our kitchen. I was making sourdough bread and I just finished macaroni and cheese for our daughters. Like, and I run upstairs and get to do a podcast episode. Like I, yeah. I get to exist where I exist in that moment. And yeah. that's great. I love it. And I work from home too. And actually my husband does as well. And so, you know, I'm, I might finish this recording and then run upstairs and change the laundry. <laughs> no, <laughs> <That's> real. <laughs> yeah. Real I life, love it. So <laughs> well, this is so fun. I'm so excited. We, since we both love doing podcasts and talking about resources and tools, let's talk about some tools. And And for those listening, Amy and I have quite the extensive list, so we might need to do a part two, but let's, <laughs> let's start and just kind of see where it takes us. So Sounds the good. first thing we wanted to talk about was lesson planning and lesson assignments. I actually just created a new section in the Teach Music Online course where I go through all of the, all of the different avenues or ways or methods for lesson assignments. So this is fresh on my mind, but why don't you go ahead and share a couple of your favorite tools for creating lesson assignments for students? What are some of yours? Well, in the old days, I used to use just an Excel spreadsheet and I actually created this really beautiful, massive spreadsheet that I would use for my students. And I could see all my students in one column, and then I could see it by the entire week. So I could see all of it in one place. So Excel, while it's kind of an old fashioned thing, it's still digital. And I don't do it that way, like right now anymore for lesson planning necessarily. But man, sometimes I've considered going back to that because it's just such a nice way to see everything in one place. However, now that things have gone online so much more, we went through the whole COVID thing. I'm now using Tanara for all Mm -hmm. my lesson assignments. And you know, I just love it. It's not perfect. There's, you know, other programs out there, but so far it's working great. Um, I especially love that you can attach files for students, audio recording, so they can listen to it at home. 
I attach like echo patterns, um, rhythm patterns and stuff for students to do at home. And I can also chat with them if they need to. Sometimes they'll send me recordings of their playing or, you know, say, hey, Miss Amy, I thought that I was supposed to do this assignment, but it's not listed. Did you miss it? Mm -hmm. You know, so we can communicate freely and easily that way. So right now, Tanara is working great for me. I love Tanara, especially I think during the pandemic, Tanara was one of the only apps doing such a good job with that. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I was teaching teachers just to use Google Docs and have a Google Doc and you share it with the parent and they can see you typing in information in real time. And still to this day, when teachers want a free option, Google mm -hmm. Docs is amazing because you Definitely. can- you can link your videos. You have a record of all their assignments. I usually would have parents print out the pages and have them during the week. Um, two new ones that I'm hearing are great are practice space. And one of the teachers that I know really well created one called Music Nest. And okay. he has a different, a little bit of a different approach where he calls them song cards instead of assignments. And your song cards are color coordinated based off of um, where they're at in progress. So if okay. you're just like a previewing it, it's like really light. If it's something that you're finished and passed off and done, it's like a darker color. And yeah. anyway, it's really cool. And we can link, we'll link everything in the show notes and caption, yeah. you know, for those watching this later. So I know there's another one out there that's been developed. that's fairly new that I, I, I created an account for, but I haven't really had time to play around with, but I'm curious about it. I think it's called meta practice. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm sure there's going to be more popping up, but it's good for teachers to have some options now, you know, <laughs> you know, and I think teachers need to know with everything we suggest today, you know, there's not, I don't think either of us would say, this is the one you need to use. It's all about what you're trying to accomplish with these tools and your personality and the, how you, how you learn things. If it's, if you're visual or whatever it is, exactly. testing things out is going to help you find Oh, this is the one that solves my problems. <laughs> yeah, it's how your brain works, right? How does your brain work? <laughs> yes. Let's talk about apps and games. Of, of course, there is an extensive list, but do you have a few top apps that you always use with your students? I do. Um, Note Rush, I just use all the time. I just love the fact that it, it's connected to what students play directly on the piano. It's just not naming a note with a letter name. And the kids really love playing it. You know, they get to play it right on the piano and it, it's quick moving and it responds to them. Um, I actually started using, I use it so regularly in my lessons that I finally created a progressive series of assignments basically that I use. And it's not so much assignments, but I use it so that I can keep track of like what, what, what notes I've worked with them on. And so I, you know how you can create a link and share it in Note Rush? So you mm -hmm. can like attach it into Tanara. Well, I just created a whole repertoire series in Tanara for Note Rush that's progressive and it's just numbered like one, two, three. And then the student works on that level. Then the next week they get the next level and it has, it's already like promoted. Wow. Yeah. So that's actually available on my website if anybody's interested, but it's just made it so much easier to just track student progress. Um, so we do that just a little bit in every single lesson with most of my students that are in the progress of learning all their notes. Mm -hmm. I also really like, well, my students like, <laughs> I should say. Staff Wars is kind of a fun one. It's like um, Star Wars, you know, so when they they hit the name of the button, it's like it shoots the node out of the sky and then it keeps getting faster and faster. So that one's super fun. They really love Ninjenius mm -hmm. and Flash Note Derby, maybe not quite as much, but yeah, they enjoy all of those. And usually those are kind of like, like rewards. Like we do note rush a little bit in every lesson, but then if we have some extra time at the end or something, or they just request it or just kind of need a 
a brain break, yeah. then I'll just let them pick a nap for fun. Yeah, that's so. great. I love the brain breaks. I think yeah. we, sometimes as teachers, we're a little too on, on an agenda, too much on an agenda mm-hmm. that we forget that they might need that. <laughs> I like sometimes doing just like maybe one or two pieces and then, okay, let's take, you know, one minute to do an app real quick. And then we'll go back to another piece and then maybe do another app or something. So yes. it's good to kind of break it up in the lesson. Yeah. And for teachers listening who are teaching online, if you are wondering how you use apps during online lessons, there's several ways you can share your screen and you would have the student tell you what the answers are. So you just click it for them or you can have the student. It's kind of tricky without showing, but you can have the student on their iPad actually leave the call. They just go to the window, they do the quiz, and then they just hop back right on. So it wouldn't ever end the Zoom call or whatever platform it is. It would just have them go to that and then come back. So that's one way to have the student do it as well. But there are ways, you know, I get a lot of teachers like, oh, how do I do this online? There definitely are ways to still make it interactive online. Do you ever use like boom cards or um, Sprout Beat? Are you familiar with Sprout Yes, Beat? I love Sprout Beat. And I was going to say NoteQuest. Sprout Beat is so good because they have just a huge library of mm-hmm. resources and games and activities for theory. Um, NoteQuest is amazing. It's a progressive sight reading. And she has a really fantastic method for teaching sight reading skills, both with rhythms and note reading. And it gets up to pretty advanced. So I would say those are two apps that I recommend. Okay. Creating a curriculum map. This is a fun one. How do you, how do you go about doing this or teaching teachers to do this? Well, so I'm actually currently working on something. I really haven't had like a a whole map out, um, where I'm like working students through things. It's kind of, you know, in my mind, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course you use method books to kind of help you along the way, but I've been working on something that's in progress that is kind of doing that. And the idea is, is kind of developing like, okay, here's what some expectations of concepts or skills that we're learning in say the first year of lessons. And a lot of times, you know, I would send emails or updates to parents and say, Hey, this is what we're doing so far. This is what they're learning. This is some of the goals. And I was like, what if I had more tangible things? So I'm working in Google drive right now. Um, and just actually using a table and just kind of listing, okay, in year one, what are kind of just the general expectations of things we might be learning in piano lessons? And then um, having, I have like three little columns where I just track like, okay, they're learning. They're just kind of newly being introduced to this and then they're progressing. So they know the concept already, but we're still kind of learning it, solidifying it, getting more comfortable And then master would be like, okay, they don't really need to review this at all anymore. (laughs) They finally understand the concept of sharps and flats, you know, on the piano. So that is considered completely mastered. We don't really need to practice that that much. Is Um, that something you would have created a table for each student and then you would be marking this or you're just saying that would be like the overall outline? So, yeah. So the idea that I'm working on is it's, it's like one page and then I would just duplicate the page for every student. So I would just make a copy of it and then name it for that student. And then that student that I can just check in each checkbox, like where they're at in each part of the process or each concept or whatever that we're learning. Um, And then you could even use that as an evaluation kind of a thing too, like showing, okay, here's, you know, things that we've been working on this, this year, here's some things that we haven't quite mastered. Here's some things that we're just starting to learn. Um, And it would just be a way of helping you as a teacher 
like you said, create a curriculum map, like a progressive, you know, mm-hmm. step-by-step process. And it's not all black and white. We know that. <laughs> yeah. That's the next level of organization. Kind of a framework. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's and still, I love it's it. still in progress. So like I said, I've not really ever used anything yeah. that much up until now, but I, it's in my brain. I'm trying to get you it know, out. Yeah. And I, this is a step I have teachers do when they go through the online teaching certification is they create a curriculum map and I show them kind of how to do that. And I think the ben- the benefits of having a curriculum map are amazing. Mm-hmm. If you think of almost any other subject taught, <laughs> they all have a curriculum and they all have a framework and something they follow. And I think we shouldn't be the exception to that. And I think it's right. worth spending some time conceptualizing and thinking about what is the progress of a student and then you know to take it another level so doing exactly what you said coming up with the milestones and then are they hitting those milestones maybe at what what level but then maybe what's really helpful for teachers is listing out all of their library of resources for each of those levels as something they can grab and paste into a lesson. So for example, all of the books you use are likely in Amazon, most of them, and grabbing your Amazon links in advance. So at the end of a lesson, you open that curriculum map, you copy that link and put it in their folder, their digital folder. Um, It just makes it so much easier to know where you're taking a student. I think the tricky thing can be when you use multiple, if you're someone that uses multiple methods and maybe not just one method, you know, every method is a little bit different. So just trying to come up with like more of a general, you know, maybe that doesn't, I mean, maybe if you use a couple of set ones, you could do specifics like tied directly to what that method is, but can you come up with a general one that could also be used for any student, no matter what material you have them working through and kind of finding that balance can be tricky. Oh, absolutely. I just interviewed a teacher who's one of our members and he's a guitar teacher and piano teacher. And he has a really unique approach to curriculum where he doesn't have one method really. um, And he focuses really on catering to the needs of the student and where they're at with their reading, where they're at like really mentally with, with music and their interests. And he starts them also differently. So I said to him, like, okay, then how are you creating your curriculum map? Because he knows I teach that. <laughs> yeah. And he yeah. still does it. He still does it, yeah. but it's it looks a little different. So I think anyone listening, you might be thinking, well, I don't have one method. It doesn't need to be one method. It is right. more about concepts and being able to see visually, you know, what those look like in order and where you take a student. Well, and that's why I'm trying to develop this because I, I don't always use method books. I like using a lot of the supplementary repertoire and just having that framework that I can then follow and kind of keep myself in check and keep track of where students are at without having to rely on a method book to walk you through like where they're at. So, yes. Cool. I love it. We're going to move on to talking about business management. This could be and is a webinar in itself. <laughs> but I I love you put this on here. Why do you what why do you want to talk about this or why why were you thinking this would be a great topic? Well, because that's half of what we do, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> we need tools to help us run our 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 studios and our business and to make it manageable and not just feel like it's you know yeah. Every which, which way. <laughs> yes. We need to have, have things to help us along the way. So yeah, I think it's important. And, 
thankfully there are so many tools now. It's almost like you have your own team working with you, but you're not paying them individually. You're just paying yeah. a software. I always tell teachers that like, think of it, think of these tools that you're now paying for as assistants. And mm-hmm. these assistants are going to take hours of time away from you, not away from you. They're going to, <laughs> I, I said that backwards, but they will save hours of time, not take your time. They're going to save you time and do some of that previous invoicing that you used to do man- manually. So a few different topics. The first one would be invoicing and billing. The top ones that come to my mind are Fonz, my music staff and duet partner. Those are all fantastic ones. Yeah. Yeah, I have been using my music staff for quite a few years since they first rolled out. And honestly, I mostly am just using it for like invoicing my annual payments and semester payments and just tracking my students. I am not currently using it for like scheduling or mm-hmm. monthly payments or anything like that. I actually use CoinHop for my monthly payments and I have loved CoinHop really? for years. And several reasons. One, their fee is much lower than some of the other ones that you connect. Uh, what is it, Square or what's some of the other ones? I think that they all of them that I've seen are 2.9% 2. 2. plus 30 cents. So what's your yeah. fee? CoinHop, I think, is 1% still. It's very low. So, and what I can do is I just basically say in my policies that you can either make an annual payment. You can, um, I used to do semester payments, but I've even cut that out recently because I only had a few students that did that. Um, you can make an annual payment. Or if you choose to pay monthly, then you're required to connect your bank account to CoinHop. So I don't really give them options like mm-hmm. you put a credit card here, or pay me with PayPal or Venmo or no. whatever. I just say, nope, this is the one place I'm getting it. And it just automatically comes out of their account on the first day of the month. And okay. it takes it sometimes eight to 10 days to hit my bank account, which as long as you know when to expect your, yeah. <laughs> your payment, you know, it's the same about every month and it comes in one payment. So I'm not getting all these multiple deposits into my account. It's just one payment. And I know it's all tuition. Interesting. And I mean, their customer service has been fabulous. Like anytime I've had any of the slightest little thing, their response is very quick and helpful. So I I highly recommend it. Is it basically Um, a button that you're setting up for them to click through and then it'll ask them like to connect it all or I just send them a link. Yeah. So I'll add them as a client in my account. And then I send them an invitation either via text or through email and it will link to them into CoinHop, and then they set up their account basically through there. So it's then up to them, and it it'll go through the prom- you know, the process of mm-hmm. you know adding a few cents into their account and making sure it's there, and then then it gets approved and it's set up and ready to go. So and then you can, if you need to, you can edit the monthly payments from month to month if you would need to for any reason. But otherwise, yeah. it's just all on auto auto set up, and it just yeah. processes every month. That's so, great. And I think background. we we would suggest that to teachers who are doing. Uh, you know, recurring monthly or semesterly, not teachers who are still, to my dismay, <laughs> give doing a different rate each month, depending on how many lessons they have. Like, we still have teachers, you know, that are making that leap thinking, oh, no one gets mad at me. They're not going to get mad at you. It's how the world runs. <laughs> They're going to actually enjoy it. It's easy for them too. I mean, <laughs> Awesome. Well, okay. CoinHop. That's a great one to link to. I had actually not, that has not been one suggested to me yet. So that's great. Okay. Yeah. Video calling software. Again, a great topic. Um, Forte, Forte lessons. I still have a ton of teachers using Zoom 
and Rock Out Loud Live are the top three. Do you have any others that you use? You know, I don't, I don't do online lessons regularly at Mm -hmm. all anymore. You know, after COVID I'll, I'll do the occasional one. If a student is kind of feeling under the weather, we'll just talk online. Most of the time we end up using FaceTime, sometimes Zoom. It just depends. Like with some students, I get better quality through FaceTime than I do Zoom, just depending mm-hmm. on what their internet speed is. Um, but, you know, I use Zoom for my podcast recordings and stuff too. So it's just easy to use also for my student stuff when I need it rather than having something separate like Forte or whatever. So I don't really have any experience with some of the other online platforms like you might. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I think- still kind of basic. FaceTime and Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. I think the one thing I would say, this is a recent conversation with some teachers is um, if you're having issues with your video calling software, that's when I recommend looking for an alternative. Or if there's a calling software that doesn't do what you want it to do. There are so many options now that you should be able to find one that does what you need it to do. Like if you need to record the lesson or you need a whiteboard, or you need to be able to share video or um, have a second camera, like there are so many now that there is no excuse. <laughs> and yeah. if you're having audio issues, you know, we just had a call, I think two days ago and a teacher was saying, oh my gosh, this one student has the worst. It just drops the call and then I have to get on a different software. And it's not the software when that happens, it's the internet connection. Yeah, It's the yeah. internet connection for the student, not likely not the teacher because they've already figured that out. So in that case, I have a checklist that you send the student. Are you close to the router? Are you connected to high-speed internet? Is no one else in the home streaming Netflix? Um, you know, can you plug an ethernet cable in? Like there are so many things we can do to make sure that student has a better experience online. Okay, let's talk about website building. <laughs> I use Squarespace. I've used it for years. My husband is a really good designer, marketer, business person. So he taught me how to use Squarespace. And now I think it's easy enough that most teachers can use it. So that's where my experience is. Where is your experience with WordPress? I'm maybe thinking. <laughs> so I, I have been doing WordPress with my Piano Pantry blog. That's where I started on that. And I'll tell you what, it is definitely a learning curve in the early days. Now there's wordpress.com and then there's wordpress.org and I'm using wordpress.org, which gives you your own domain name. I think there's some benefits to doing, I think there's a little bit more customization that you can do with the wordpress.org as opposed to wordpress.com. I honestly wouldn't recommend WordPress to most teachers. You know, that's usually what I say. You usually need a developer or yeah. have an, or already have experience building websites, then it's great. Cause it's so customizable or um, just be a little bit crazy and willing <laughs> to try to figure out like I did. You want to. <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean, you did that before I would say there were so many other tools being advertised. That's true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I also had used Weebly in the early days mm-hmm. for my local association. I have a website that I currently still use on Weebly. And I'll tell you what, I would definitely recommend Weebly still to teachers. It's very easy drag and drop. It's very visual. It's very user-friendly. And I have not used Squarespace. I've been wanting to look into it just to kind of see, because I know it makes beautiful websites and everything I yeah. hear is, it's pretty user-friendly. Yes. Um, but Weebly is, is very much the same way. So yeah, I would definitely w- recommend Weebly to most teachers. Mm-hmm. Squarespace is the one I recommend because... Um, it, it's hard to make it look not professional, almost impossible. Um, 
I, we do website audits in TMO where we have teachers drop their websites in. And then my husband and I look at them and tell them what they can fix or add or change their branding or get photos. And it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. But I would say we can always tell when it's like Wix or Squarespace. Cause they always look, we always go, wow, this looks so nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they just have a very modern approach. Um, and while we're on the topic, if teachers need any help with templates, um, I I've created a course helping you build a website from start. So if you've never done one before, or you have an old one that you're like, I don't even know how to make this look modern. Um, basically what I've done is I've taken all my favorite piano teachers websites, studied them and come up with templates for what works. So a template for your homepage, like what should be on your homepage and in what order, what, how can it be laid out? And then your contact page and your about me page and what to share and not without writing a novel. Like I'm all about being concise and to the point and having headlines and good photography because the, the, the truth is when you're recruiting students, they will land on your website and bounce if, if they get any kind of a vibe that it's not updated <laughs> if or it feels, not I just go into a website and it just feels heavy. Yeah. It just feels like I, I don't need to I don't read have time and paragraphs on what your teaching philosophy is. Right. I mean, just give me some short statements that help me exactly. understand, you know, music kids that music kids love or piano that, you know, whatever. I mean, just be very to the point. <laughs> yes, exactly. And a lot of teachers just have no idea where to start with that. So it was a fun process creating a template so that they can do it without having to think too hard. That sounds really useful. <laughs> it's, it was fun. Okay. Let's talk about organization and daily workflow. We all have a lot of tasks. We wear a lot of different hats as teachers, um, as yeah, as music teachers, as business owners. So you had mentioned in here, browser extensions. Do you want to go into that? Well, this is where I get to my happy place actually, Carly. <laughs> I'm actually currently um, doing a digital organization series with teachers that I offer online. And this is a lot of the kind of things that we talk about. So this is my happy place. Um, so browser extensions are little tools that you can add to your browser, little functionalities tied to other programs. So some of my favorite browser extensions are LastPass, which I assume you probably use. A lot of people use LastPass nowadays for a password manager. Um, Evernote and Notion, which are both, um, cloud-based daily capture, I call them types of programs, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. But each of those programs has what's called a web clipper, which you use then to save things off the internet into that program. With just one click, you can send all kinds of things, whether it's a photo, a screenshot, a bookmark, a web page, whatever it may be. Um, Grammarly, which again is another program similar to LastPass, which is a password manager, but Grammarly is... It's like your English teacher in your back pocket, <laughs> grading all of your writing as you go along. And Grammarly has access to your browser if you allow it. And then it will show you as you're typing whatever web page you're on or whatever you're doing, it will make suggestions for you to improve the writing. Um, Capital One Shopping is like a money-saving browser extension. So whatever website that you're on, if you're, you're buying something, whether it's Sheet Music Plus or Amazon or whatever, this will pop up and it will um, kind of do a scan for you and it'll find all these codes online and it will tell you if you have the best price basically, or it will give you, a lot of times it'll just pull out a code and give you 
oh, I thought I was only getting 10% off at Sheet Music Plus, but ooh, the it found a code for 20% off. <laughs> um, so that has been really useful. Sometimes it can be annoying because sometimes it pops up too much, but it's worth saving money having it anyway. And then finally, one browser extension that I use pretty frequently is an eye picker or a color picker. There's a variety of ones that you can go into when looking for extensions on Chrome or whatever. And what it does is it allows you to, to find a color. If you are maybe on a web page and you're like, oh, I really like that color. I want to use that in my website or my logo or my branding or whatever. But what color is that? What color scheme? You know, it gives you the RGB or the, the, the color scheme numbers. I can't remember what they're called. Um, and it will tell you exactly what that color is. And, oh, I can't tell you how many times I have used that. <laughs> Those are all so great. And we'll have to list them out so that people can grab them. I know Grammarly has saved me too many typos yeah. <laughs> or adding a comma or a dash or whatever. Yeah. Grammarly is kind of a no brainer to have. I love that one. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of other things um, that we have under daily workflow. I think one thing I want to mention is your time management. And uh, I'm all about helping teachers manage their time, but some of those tips would be trying to batch what you do. And I teach um, a method for doing all of your lesson planning on one day of the month. And a lot mm -hmm. of teachers just like laugh that, that you can't do that. And then they come back to me a few months later and they're like, it was really hard at first, but once you get everything organized, you actually can do it and it saves a lot of time. Um, mm -hmm. But finding ways to categorize your tasks and do them one day of the month or one day of the week if you need to versus just like flying through a number of tasks every time, mm -hmm. every day or every, yeah, every time you sit down to do your tasks. Yeah. Another one we mentioned was cloud-based storage. So I know Google Drive and Google Photos are favorites of mine. Are there any other cloud storages that you use or would recommend? For the most part, I do use both of those a lot, Google Drive and Google Photos. I mostly use Google Drive when I'm sharing things with people, whether it's um, folders for my digital organization course or handouts for presentations I'm doing or something like that. My husband is a techie, actually way more techie than I am. He He's a Salesforce developer, so he knows all the stuff. <laughs> and he actually has us on a our own cloud called Synology. So a lot of our actual files are saved there, which is supposed to be, cool. I mean, it's basically, it's not backed up online with another company. So yeah. we know that it's safe and secure. So he likes using that. So a lot of our stuff is actually on that. Um, but otherwise, as far as my business goes, I use Google Drive for a lot of things and Google Photos as well. I, yeah. I like using albums and Google Photos and their face recognition for- for being able to, to view one student's thing. Like I can view all of my students in one place, like Abigail and all of her photos and videos and, you know, Eric or whatever. And so they have their own space and I can share that with the families mm -hmm. as well. And I can very easily go back and see, you know, photos or videos from five years ago when they were first taking piano lessons, you know? Yes. So, Oh, there's so many great tools and so many reasons to become techie as a teacher. <laughs> It's just a little by little, one thing at a time. It is. Yeah, it's it hard is. to do. It's easy to feel very overwhelmed by it all. <laughs> it is. And I can think of one of our teachers who's now like the best at all the tech things and even teaches others. But when she first joined, she was 
she would tell everyone I am a tech dinosaur. Like she didn't even own a computer when the pandemic hit and she, she had to go buy a MacBook. And now she's like, everyone, you can do it. Like it doesn't, it's not as hard as it looks. And she was so good at like watching so many tutorials and then she'd go YouTube stuff when she couldn't figure it out and watch. Yeah more. <laughs> it's just about being willing, just be willing to, yeah. to realize, Hey, this is hard for me, but I know that it's, you know, something that can make life easier and you just have to work at it. And little by little every day, the more that you do, the easier that it gets. Yes. One, one more thing I was thinking about is using YouTube with your students. And I mean, there's so many ways to utilize YouTube. It's free backup of your videos. You can actually re-download videos from YouTube if you ever need them back. Um, and making them unlisted or public or private, like I would say use it to back up things, but also creating a studio, creating a library for, okay, I need to get my verbiage right, a channel for your students. So helping your student create their own YouTube channel is so amazing because they can then see their own progression. And oh, it, that's it cool. Be, yeah. And it can be unlisted. So it doesn't need to be, you know, like privacy issues unless their parent doesn't mind, but they can start uploading. I, I would recommend videoing them in your studio playing or online playing their songs once they finish them. And then they can upload them just from their phone to YouTube. And that way they have a, a library of all the songs they've worked on that year. That's fun. I had not thought of that because I do use Google Photos in that way because you can create albums and you can share the link in the mm-hmm. same way where they can see everything. But that would include all of their photos as well and videos. And using a YouTube playlist allows them to kind of have their own their own control, their own account, their own yeah YouTube. Yeah. That's more cool to share, maybe. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's kind of introducing them to that creativity. Having them having their own channel just allows them to share it with their friends or they can post those links on Facebook. They're not usually on Facebook. They're usually on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) But it just kind of gives it, puts it in their hands. Yeah. I love that idea. Fabulous. Well, I think we're, we're almost ready to wrap up. We've had quite a bit, but let's talk about social media scheduling and how teachers can take advantage of that. Yeah. So in the... I've worked my way through several different social media tools over the years. Um, Buffer, which is is good. Hootsuite, which is an Mm -hmm. old one. It's been along for quite a while. Um, I'm currently using Tailwind right now. And I'm using Tailwind mostly because I was looking for something that I could easily schedule Instagram with that also allowed me to post to Facebook. And you know how Instagram has the whole one link that you can use in the bio And I wanted a special link in bio that would allow me to not only just have buttons like linked Mm -hmm. buttons, but I wanted to be able to link to an image. Like if I post an image in the feed and I, I could say, click on the image and then that would take you to that item. And I just felt like I really like the layout. It's called smart.bio is what they use Mm -hmm. for Tailwind. And so I've been using that and whatever social media scheduling tool you use, the nice thing about it, it's it's a little bit of that batch processing thing that you yeah. were talking about where you can be like, okay, uh, you know, once a week, I'm going to spend 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. And, and I'll do the same thing. I go into my photos. I download photos or, or find photos that I think would be great to share on social media. I'm not good about doing it every day because it just takes too much brain time to do that. Yeah. It does. <laughs> you know? And you're not in the mode. Like I, that's why I think yeah. batching because you get in the mindset of billing or you get in the mindset of marketing and get like take 
use your time the best you can while you're kind of in that frame of mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'll try, I try to schedule out for like a week of stuff. And sometimes some weeks I have more stuff. Sometimes I don't have as much, but scheduling it just means that you can spread it out nicely, but all, but do it all at once and not have to just post five things in a row. Um, so if you're doing a social media scheduling tool, you just want to make sure that whatever, whatever you use post to, you know, whatever accounts, if you have just Facebook, then Facebook has, you can do scheduling right on the business suite on Facebook. You want to have to have a special scheduling tool for that. Um, mm-hmm. if you're using Instagram and, um, excuse me, Instagram and Facebook and maybe Pinterest or anything like that, like you can use a little bit more robust ones. Yeah. Um, like Tailwind. I know Smarter Q, I've been playing around in Smarter Q a little bit. That looks pretty fabulous. I've been debating back and forth between those two. Um, but yeah, what do you use? Yeah, I have an assistant that helps me with a lot of social media stuff for Teach Music Online, and she loves Calendly. And because okay. you're already making your graphics in Calendly and you can actually just, there's a calendar directly in there where you, not Calendly, Canva. I was say, is that the same as a scheduling? Cal- Canva. Calendly? Okay. Gosh, my words today. I don't know where. Yeah, I was like, really? Calendly has <laughs> social media scheduling? <laughs> no. Calendly is fantastic. That's another resource we should mention. But yeah. Canva is where you're creating your graphics. There's a built-in calendar. So whatever graphic, you can just assign it to your calendar and you can do it to your Facebook or to Instagram. But honestly, Instagram now has scheduling built in. It didn't used to. Mm-hmm. It's it's new where you can actually schedule stuff in advance where before okay. you had to use a scheduling software. You, right. You just couldn't do it through Instagram. Right. Interesting. I haven't tried the Canva. I mean, I'm a huge Canva person. Yes. And I just haven't so gotten to that. Sometimes it's funny because sometimes like when you're using something that's working really well for you, you don't always need to go looking. Yeah. And that's a good thing. I mean, you don't want to always feel like, oh, here's the latest, greatest. I got to go. It's very easy to feel overwhelmed by that. And like, even, I mean, I've been using Tailwind for like a year and I was like, finally, I'm set on something. This is what I'm going to use, you know? Yeah. And then I see Smarter Q and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I I'm know. Like, oh, now I have to make a decision again. You know, what yeah. do you want to do? Decision fatigue. <laughs> It is. It is. It's just, there's so many new things, but oh. I like, I think for a lot of teachers, Canva would be a really good solution. Yeah. Um, and it's just included. If you're paying for the pro account, I believe it's just part of it. So you don't have to pay extra for something else. So, so many ideas, so many wonderful things for teachers to think about where can they reach out to you if they want to learn more about your products and your podcast as well. Yeah, for sure. Pianopantry.com. And my podcast page is just pianopantry.com forward slash podcast. Nice and easy. You can also find me on Instagram at Amy Chaplin Piano or on Facebook at Piano Pantry. Thank you so much. We, there was, there were more things I think we would like to talk about, but I think that was a lot and gave, gives teachers enough to kind of be thinking on. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking about some of my favorite topics. Yes. Anytime. If you've been frustrated with online teaching or feeling discouraged about how slow it feels to grow your studio, then I would love to invite you to join me inside the Teach Music Online membership. Our online membership includes multiple courses helping you with your tech, marketing systems, scheduling and payments, new student onboarding, engagement tactics, scheduling, and so much more. 
all of this so that you can finally feel excited and confident in what you're building as a music teacher. With hundreds of video lessons, twice monthly live coaching calls, and a thriving optimistic community, we are here to get you where you want to be. We now also offer additional courses, including Course Creator for Musicians and Studio Website Builder. To join us today, head over to teachmusic.online and I can't wait to see you there.